You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The JSE has opened its doors for the final day of the week, and so it's time for the opening with Nick Kunzer from Sennam Private Wealth. This day's got a bad feel about it already, and it's all to do with Hong Kong. That's the big news story, Nick. Enlighten us, please, because I've been watching this with fascination in, in the last couple of hours, and it looks horrible to me. Yeah, Lindsay, good morning. Yeah, it's a bit of a, bit of a risk-off finish to the week, which, which in all intents and purposes, as of last night, would have actually been quite a good week uh, for return-wise, I think on the best week for the last about five, if I look at Wall Street. But yes, you're right. Lots of news out to digest this morning. China and Hong Kong, that seeming to be, I guess, the, the epicenter of, uh, of the news and the flow this morning on this Friday morning. Um, I mean, Hong Kong, that's just a case in point, that's currently down 5% in their afternoon session. And we've still got an hour left of trade. But, um, of course, a a lot of that news flow coming from the fact that China's National People's Congress, known as the NPC, they're finally getting to hold its annual annual secession. That was um, delayed from March, of course, of COVID-19 and and, and everything else we know about. So they they started speaking this morning. And and the news flow has been quite alarming, to say the least. I mean, first and foremost for me was the fact that – was the fact that uh, they're passing a law or certainly a draft legislation that they're announcing uh, that they would ban success, uh, secession, foreign interference, terrorism, all subsidious activities aimed at toppling the central government. Uh, and it certainly looks at that that's going to be clamping down on those protesters in the former British colony. And, of course, Donald Trump quick off the mark saying if they did pass this law, which they look like they are going to do, the U.S., and I quote this, would address this issue very strongly. And the other one for me, which I had to chuckle to myself, uh, the, the National Congress also abandoning setting a GDP target uh, for the first time, um, I think, since uh, since legislation, since they came back into the capital markets um, since the 1970s, although, uh, you know, I don't think any of us believe those Chinese GDP numbers anyway. Yeah. But, uh, no, Lindsay, it, it really is a little bit of a, I don't know what the expression is, you better with English than me, I don't know, hornet's nest, or there's a real yes. sense of something happening in the on the ground floor in, in the Far East. And I think what's happened is that the Chinese have sensed some kind of opportunity because of the activities of the, the current U.S. administration. So they're taking advantage of that. And also, I think it's been prompted by the, the Taiwanese situation and Taiwan could be next, uh, you know, the one country, two systems argument that's been going on and has, has been heightened by the new Taiwanese premier being sworn in this week. And I, I just think that President Xi is uh, consolidating his power, if it w- is a kind way to put it, consolidating his power. But he's, mm. he's becoming a proper dictator now. I mean, he's, yes. he, he's, he's, a, he's the lifelong leader, uh, but he really is starting to become uh, quite a, not a bully, but certainly a strong man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what's the other expression? And I guess he's flexing his muscles. Yes. I mean, he really is. Um, he is angling towards that president for life. Um, and I, I just get the feeling that if this had happened a year ago, the markets would, I think, would have been the reaction would have been far more extreme to the downside. Um, I mean, the S and P is not even down quite a percent yet, which I find quite puzzling. We all sort of focusing, obviously, on on the COVID nineteen and the opening up of economies and other stuff, but. I really sense this is this should be carrying more of a sort of weight amongst assets or risky assets than it is, mm. um, because I certainly have a fe- the feeling that this has a sense, you know, geopolitics that, that have been on the back foot, obviously with COVID nineteen and the pandemic, uh, sort of having most traders uh, sort of front of their screens. This this could I think this has a potential to to escalate. I really do. I'm not a, I'm not a 
not an economist, but a, the, the news that is that is coming out of the Far East this morning, I think, deserves far more attention than it's getting from the from the marketplace. It's destabilising for the whole region, and I don't think people will be particularly uh, uh, soothed by the fact that Chinese military spending has been targeted to rise by 6.6% in the next year, um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's already a massive, massive bill that they have. Mm. So another 6.6% there in line with GDP, I suppose. Maybe that's a, a way of looking at their, their GDP forecast by seeing what their military spending is going to go up by. But also, it's very subtly, the company that we were speaking about with David last night, Baidu, which is a NASDAQ-listed company, very successful Chinese company, they said, well, because you're imposing these new rules on us, we don't have to be on the NASDAQ. There are so many other exchanges that we can be on, and we're thinking of, 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 of delisting. And um, maybe that's also a subtle prod from from organizations like the MPC, the National People's Congress, or just coming from the top even before the Congress, mm. they might be saying, look, we don't want you, we don't have anything to do with these people anymore. We'll show them. I just get a feeling that there's something, there's something beneath the surface here. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like bubbling, bubbling under the surface. Mm. You're entirely right. I mean, a week or so, I think, like I'm losing track of the weeks in lockdown, but it was about a week ago when, um, the U.S. administrators were talking about that legislation for banning for pensions in America from investing in Chinese companies. Yes, which is, so I guess that was the start of it, and, and, and the knock, the follow-through is, is as a company. I mean, it's an absolute uh, sort of internet giant. You know, Baidu, Baidu coming out and saying they're going to delist. And quite frankly, if you look at the returns in some of these Chinese internet shares, if you look at, I mean, just the likes of, I mean, Zoom. Springs to mind. That was born out of out of a out of a Chinese national and his his dream of of setting up his business and, and the like. You know, if, if Americans and their pensions aren't on invest in Chinese into a, into a Chinese companies listed that make up sixteen percent of world GDP, if we really get the sense that uh, you know this, this this globalization that's driven the world for, for the last couple of decades. Is, is starting to look very fractured. And, and I don't know what the knock-on effects are. It is very, very interesting in, in a sinister sort of way. Let's have a look at the spot prices now. The dollar rand is under pressure. It's 17.77, and it's a percent fall overnight. Uh, the British pound against the rand is 21.64, and the euro rand is 19.40, with the euro dollar 109.15, with euro weakening, the dollar strengthening to the tune of 0.3%. Last night in the United States, the Dow Jones was down 0.4%, the S&P was down 08 and the Nasdaq for once was an underperformer, down nearly 1%, maybe the China story uh, coming through there, the Baidu story anyway. Uh, Dow Jones futures this morning following on from yesterday's real market uh, loss down around about three quarters of a percent in the S&P let me just give you that because that's a liver screen than the ones I've just quoted down 0.9 percent uh, or 20, 25 points to 29 29.11 um, okay what else have we got what's the gold price down on the slightly weaker dollar well predictably up but uh, way off the highs of the week it's 17.35 up eight dollars an ounce platinum down 13 though to 8.26 with its status as an industrial metal and palladium is what also under pressure I would imagine it is under pressure, Lindsay, down three quarters of a percent of $15, sitting exactly at uh, $2,000 on the nose at the moment. Okay, I've left the Far East till last because uh, there are some dramatic moves over there. You've already spoken to, to us about uh, Hong Kong, but let's have a look at what it's done with uh, 45 minutes to go of trading down 5.7%. 
And it's a massive, massive move. And it's really had a hell of a year, that uh, that uh, that territory, hasn't it? The Australian all-share index is uh, down 0.9%. China, incredibly important as a as a trading partner for Australia. So that coming under pressure. Shanghai down 1.9%. Tokyo is 0.8% weaker. So yeah, across the board, the destabilizing influence of what's happened uh, in the MPC overnight really being felt. Um, South Africa now. Let's go to South Africa. Sassel coming out with a trading update. That's a big one. What's happened? Yeah, so Sassel, I mean, it's down 5.5%, but it's exactly in line with West Texas and and oil prices currently down 5%. And well, West Texas is actually down 6.3 and, and uh, Brent's down 5. So oh, yeah. in line with the underlying commodity. Um, I don't think there's any surprises. I mean, I just looked at a brief comment from, from our research guys down in the paper, and they just said uh, uh, HEPs be down 20% versus the 31 rand a share for 2019. I mean, there's a, a, a comment on the, on the Sunham research team. They said this should be no surprise we currently expect only five rand a share for 20, so briefly in line with the expectations. And quite frankly, if I look at what it's doing on the screen, it's exactly in line with the world prices. So no surprises there, I think, Lindsay. Okay, so all the good and bad news from trading statements, uh, from the trading statement yeah, has I'm, already I'm factored just, in. So it's just a rand, yes. a rand and uh, oil play now. Exactly, exactly. And I will just add in a comment uh, for your listeners it's, uh, from our guys. It says we expect Sassel to provide a further update on asset disposals and negotiations with banks on their covenants, and that's due within the next 10 days. So I'll give you feedback when I get it. Okay, here's a big one as well. Um, this is Nedcore. It's come out with a trading statement, a voluntary trading update for the first quarter of 2020, and trading statement for the six-month period ended 30th of June. All right, let's have a look here. As noted in the Nedbank Group Sends announcement, given the uncertain environment, we have withdrawn the 2020 financial guidance and at the same time noted that our long and medium term targets are under review. So in other words, they're just adapting to extraordinary conditions. Uh, It says here the performance in the first quarter to 31st of March reflects the impact of a difficult macroeconomic environment uh, and in our African operations, etc., etc., and on it goes. Does it give any numbers? There's a lot of fluff here to start with, but is there any numbers at the bottom, projected HEPs or anything like that? Can you see? Uh, no, they just said, uh, they mentioned um, it's credit loss ratio for the first quarter. Yes. For those technocrats out there, that's going to edge towards the top half of this target range from 60 to 100 basis points. Uh, and, and, of course, the headline, I don't know if you just mentioned or not, that 20% low, we all saw that. But, no, you've got to drill down into the numbers. But yes. market reacting not very well. I mean, down 9% currently yeah. on the share price, um, which is a lot less than, than the fives and sixes and the rest of the financial uh, the banking shares this morning. Uh, and I think this is one of the worst performers, uh, Lindsay, this year. I mean, year-to-date, down 62%. Gosh. Um, and at first glance, I mean, that's not a great number. And and, and what I hate to see, which makes our life even more difficult, you know, cancelling guidance. Um, you mm. know, the boys upstairs in the C-suite and their fancy offices in Santa, I mean, if they can't tell you what's going on, it makes life like us uh, sitting on the in our bedrooms trying to figure out where to put our money even that much more difficult. Yes, those numbers were, as you said, for the six-month period ended 30th of June, which is only a month and a bit away, are expected to be more than 20% lower than the reported HEPs and earnings per share for the comparable period, uh, $1,435 cents. Um, this is, and 1,419. Anyway, those numbers are sobering. And have the rest of the banks reacted to this? 
Yes, they have. I mean, I'm not sure how much of this is the Rand, which is just getting back quite a bit, obviously, after its massive run the last sort of 10-odd days. But if I look at ABSA down 6% or the likes of, um, mm. of Standard Bank, which is quite a good bellwether for our industry, it's down 55 So I would say this is very much a, a selling the Ned Bank more than the rest of the banks, without a doubt. Uh, we spoke about uh, the gaming industry yesterday and the hospitality industry with David Sogosun coming out with its trading statement for the year ended 31st of March. And again, not, not particularly good. Continuing operations income ex- is expected to be flat and 2% higher. Well, that's uh, that's unusual. EBITDA mm. is expected to be 2% lower. Um, hold on. Earnings per share expected to be between 115 and 125% lower. And HEP's down 20 to 24%. That's the one you should look at. That earnings per share mm. is obviously an, an accounting nicety, some corporate activity or something like that. But yeah, it doesn't look very good. No, it doesn't. And bearing in mind, just once again, you've got to be so careful with these headline numbers that are better being reported in South Africa. I keep catching myself out as well. Mm. This is to the, to the year ended 31st of March. Exactly. So, so it's not factoring in what I say that, that BC, that before COVID, uh, of April and May, which I think will be a lot worse. So just uh, just be careful out there, the listeners that are, are looking at these numbers, sometimes not telling the full story of where we are up to date right now. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so that's pretty depressing as well on the Stock Exchange News Service. Mm. Um, why don't we have a look at the, the big movers? And there's quite a big move, a lot of movers to the downside. You're going to have to give us the the updated ones, but I'll give you my – I'm just going to refresh my screen, and I'll give you what I've got 15 minutes delayed. And um, on the upside, the gold the gold counter is bouncing back after a bit of a, a mauling yesterday. DRD gold up 6.2%, Anglo gold Ashanti up four and a quarter, Harmony up three and three quarters, Goldfields up three and two thirds, Life Healthcare coming in at one and two thirds percent higher. Um, on the downside, yeah, Nedcore, Barlow World, Sassel, Fortress A, and Transaction Capital. So around about nine percent on Nedcore. I've got seven and a half. Yeah, you're not far off. Uh, eight eight point one is is the up to date number, and uh, it might not be on your leaderboard as as a small cap. It's well, I can't believe I'm saying it's a small cap now, but so goes Sun Hotels um, down another twelve percent this morning. Gosh, um, not not looking good. I mean, we've been speaking about it with David last night. It's a very depressing story. One rand twenty one now that year. I mean, you know, twenty bucks to go and the thing's a penny shit. I mean, that is the largest. Hotel company that I can remember. I mean, that's been a sort of my childhood. That Sogo Sun, mm. yeah, you know, twelve percent, unfortunately, this morning. Is this not more of a? I mean, is this not a barometer to to Africa and its lockdown? The longer we stay locked down, I mean, Sogo Sun. I mean, I can't imagine how many it employs in the hospitality industry in South Africa, but all time low. So, if any government uh, administrators are listening, please take a note of this. It's a very good litmus test of what's happening on the ground floor. I saw a very good piece on one of the international TV stations last night about the airline industry reopening, and there was a chap in Dubai. And in Dubai's new airport is quite is quite spacious and efficient. It was mm. it was getting a little bit creaky and getting a little bit crowded, so they've spent a fortune on it. And the interesting thing is that Emirates and um, the airport are one and the same. They're obviously owned by the same entity, and you have to get there now four hours before your flight. They they started flights to nine cities uh, from Dubai yesterday. It was uh, London, 
Well, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, London and yeah, all the usual suspects. Anyway, so there's, yeah. the flights have started again. The flights were between thirty and fifty. International flights. International yeah, flights right. from Dubai yeah. to. Um, yeah, they've normally got 157 destinations. They've now gone down right. to nine. The flights were, on average, in different classes between thirty and fifty percent full, and they can't make money with that. I'm sorry, but no. uh, the chap was saying. He said, if you apply what they're doing here, these rules to aging American or European uh, crowded uh, airports, it says it's not going to work. The industry is mm. not going to be able to cope. It's not going to be able to reopen. I mean, the things that you have to do, the distances and the procedures you go through are quite terrifying. And I, quite honestly, it spoils the fun of flying for me. I don't know if I want to go on a flight for a while. No, I'm exactly the same. And, and I think this is what this is what we're all grappling with. I mean, not just, just the average person on the street, but as, as asset managers, money managers, like we we're seeing these asset prices, we we we're trying to look at these these different companies, and we're trying to gauge at what level do we return to some sense of normality, if any, in some industries. Lindsay, I mean, it's, there must be some industries that that might not ever return back to pre-COVID to where they were. Yeah. Although, I mean, we, you know, we will, you know, you know, the human nature. We want to travel. We want to see the world. But, you know, at how long does it take and at what extent does it do? And, and certainly, I mean, I think about hospitality you just spoken about and you're talking about airlines. At what sense do we get back to that romantic sense of, of getting on an airplane and, you know, as David does, he turns left and you and I turn right. Uh, you know, when do we get back to, to that sense of, of normality again? You know, and I, I just can't see it happening in the next 12 months, really. Uh, no. Difficult. I saw a, uh, another piece on the BBC this morning with a top retailer, the CEO of um, a large stationery chain. And they, they said, well, do you think it's ever going to go back to where it was? He says, and he, he was he was really forceful. He said, retail will never, ever be the same again. The habits <laughs> that we formed over, you know, in, 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 in an intense, um, sorry, in a concentrated period of time over the last few weeks, we've got used to it now. We're never, ever going to go back to what we, what we yeah. were and we, we, we're going to have to change the high street's gone i'm afraid i'm afraid you're right you know that genie's out the bottle i mean we've been saying it and, and i guess some forecasters have been been saying it for a while certainly looking at some of the the alibabas and you exactly right the e-commerce the working from home the more and more people using not getting an airplane and using conference calls on zoom you know i think that i think that the industry was changing some industries certainly the retail space was changing. If you look at the sort of heady heights of what Amazon have achieved, I just think the lockdown, I don't know if you agree with me or not, Lindsay, but I think the lockdown has accelerated. Yes. It just accelerated the inevitable that was happening. And as you said, now they're, now that sort of uh, the habits have been formed, you know, that genie's out the bottle and it's difficult to put it back in. I was putting some rubbish out. In my building has a you know rubbish depository, and it's got various things, you know, bottles here and plastic there and mm. that sort of thing. And it's got one for for cardboard. I I tried to put in um, something in the cardboard box just one day after it was emptied, and it's a, a giant receptacle, and it was just full of delivery bags and delivery boxes from places like well the the usual suspects uh, there's some certain peculiar uh, ones that are, are purely dutch but it was jam-packed full of delivery boxes and i just thought well okay the restaurants aren't open so you're still doing that uh, you see you're still doing that but you can go to a restaurant and you can go to the, a hatch and you can pick up what, you, what you've ordered but people aren't they're just phoning up the company and they're coming around and maybe that won't change as well i don't know it's it's very peculiar 
<laughs> very young. There's actually a, a great little three-minute clip doing the rounds on, on Bloomberg, on, on one of their Twitter feeds, about a, a, a craft brewer in London called uh, the Forest the Forest Brewing Company or the Forest Town Brewing Company yes. uh, and how they've been so severely knocked literally just before COVID-19 on, on board to uh, start brewing themselves sure. uh, in, in their own family. And it's quite a sad story, but, but how they, what I'm saying is how they're adapting. So that what the guy did, he realized their biggest percentage was draft. You know, they, they, was, they opened up their shop store to the front of their, of their sort of a brewer to sell as a shop store, but it doesn't account. He says the, the major part of their um, business is the draft, the, the big the silver tanks that you see. Yes. Uh, they can't. He said he sells, you know, they were selling 2,000 of these barrels a month and not zero. So they said, well, we've got to keep this thing ticking over. So, so I mean, typical uh, the British uh, sort of uh, stiff up and keep on, gar- keep on going. He, uh, he converted two sort of panel vans and he put a sort of a, um, a refrigeration unit in the back. He drilled, literally drilled three holes in the side, took the taps from his bar counter, stuck them on the side of the van, loaded them in and started advertising. We'll come to your house. We'll pull up the van outside. You guys can have a party or a home dinner, whatever you're doing. And you can, we'll basically put you some fresh ice cold drafts um, on outside your house. And he's been sold out for three weeks ahead now. And so it's such a nice story. How people are adapting. So, so he'll bring these ice cold drafts on tap. I'm thinking, I'd love that in, in, in Joburg. If someone could pull up outside, we have a couple of local brewers in, in South Africa and pull outside my house. And if you're listening out there, guys, you know, do it. I think there's a big demand for it. You know, you have to adapt a little bit until things get back to normal. So a nice story. People adapting. Especially a nice story when it's ice cold beer on tap outside oh, your house. Please, what time is it? Five to ten. Okay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> And this is just a final story when it comes to the airline and hospitality industry and how things are not going to be the same again. I saw this flashing across the screen yesterday, but I'll just read it to you now. Air France KLM, of course, has just received billions from European governments, notably France and uh, the Netherlands, of course. It says Air France has accelerated plans to phase out its Airbus A380 fleet and will retire the aircraft immediately rather than in 2022 as previously scheduled. It's grounded its A380s on the 16th of March and now it's just said, no, we don't want these things anymore. So that was a very short lifespan for an aircraft, actually. I mean, it doesn't seem that long ago that I went on my first super jumbo A380 flight and now they're gone. They're completely gone. It is that is extraordinary, and that was supposed to. Rip, I mean, I, I mean, I remember a whole lot of. I think Cape Town Airport was one of them extending its runway to yes. facilitate, and, and of course you needed to change because they had a they loaded up the top and passengers went at the top and they went to the bottom. So you need to change a sort of a disembarking process too. So, geez, that's extraordinary. Very quick, eh? mm. very quick. So it's become obsolete. They want more mm. modern, high performance aircraft um, with less environmental footprint. Good lord. That's a pity. I had some fun times on those Air France flights from uh, Cape to, from uh, Joburg to Paris. Right, you uh, did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, give us the JSE indices after fifty-five minutes of trading, please, Nick. Okay. So I think this this is a risk off Friday, and here's a prediction. I mean, S and P's are currently the futures are two nine oh eight. I think by the time we speak, they'll be under twenty nine hundred this afternoon. Uh, real risk off move. The rand, as you've been speaking, but just mentioned before, going to indices uh, currently down one point five percent now in this risk off mood. Uh, looking at the indices, we have JSE All Share is down. Oh my goodness me, two point nine percent currently one thousand five hundred points in the red. Uh, back under 50,000. That didn't last long. 49,530. Top 40 down 2.95%. 45,840, the number there. And there is nothing on my screen that is in the red. There's one, literally two gold shares. 
I think the gold and gold fields uh, that are in the green, the rest is in the red. Led by healthcare, uh, down 1.71%. Basic materials, 1.89%. Energy shares with that oil price down 5%. And Sassel's trading update, that index down 3%. Financials, the banks, also bad news out of uh, out of Nedbank. That financial in- index down 4 and a quarter. And finally, utilities down 6.5%. Not looking out to be a good start this Friday. Ouch, okay. We'll review the uh, the situation. Hopefully not too much carnage at 5 o'clock with a 5 o'clock shadow. Nick Kunzer is from Sandland Private Wealth, and that was the opening. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position, or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.